Blackhawks fans, welcome in Four Feathers Podcast, Season 5, Episode 12. We're coming at you here on Monday, November 13th. It's Johnny Nani alongside Tony Marchese and Ron Luce. How we doing, my friends? Gentlemen, I'm doing well. It's Monday, it's dark, uh, it's cold, but, well, actually it wasn't that cold today. It was kind of a nice day, but uh, I'm, I'm doing okay, gentlemen. How are you guys? Glad to be with you, boys, talking some hockey was uh up and down weekend johnny more of the same uh stop and go traffic that we uh referenced last uh last episode but uh happy monday to you guys yep yeah good to be back on the mic tony like you said i think you know you start off with your prediction from last week that whatever we expected in the results wise it would be the reverse and that's exactly what happened blackhawks defeated tampa they lost at florida um a florida team that they'd beaten just a little about over a week ago uh back home at the united center so th- that's just the way it's been stop and go traffic i like the way um that's a good descriptor for it uh staggered results like we've had in our last episode called so uh we'll, we'll get into all of that a couple of burning questions that came up over the weekend as well uh, i got a loaded show for you here at four feathers before we get into it make sure you're subscribed on tap sportsnet on youtube that's where you can drop your comments in just like this i'll see i love this our guys kirk and skokes how we doing fellas doing great good to have you guys along but they are in the youtube comments so that's why we're able to see them and put them up right there below us so that's on tap sportsnet youtube go and like us on facebook over there as well uh twitter x people we can't see your comments in there so you gotta go over to uh, Facebook or YouTube there. And as always, check out ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. All right, guys, let's get into the title. It was a mom's trip. Blackhawks moms rock and Connor Bedard is heating up. That's the title of this episode. Let's start with Connor Bedard heating up. He is the hot topic here among the hockey world, really, not just Chicago Blackhawks fans in our circles here. Um, you did it with two, two goal games, a four point game uh, against Tampa Bay. How impressed are you with this kid that he's now just starting to heat up? Johnny, I I think what's so impressive right now is it feels like he's just finally starting to get his footing. Like this isn't the end, right? You you can see that there's more to be desired. Uh, As soon as there's, you know, additional talent around him, I think in that forward group, it's just going to further grow his game in my opinion and you know what we heard from from good old clr you know over the course of the last week and they've kind of told bedard be a little more aggressive go get your own pucks don't be afraid to kind of take charge of the game and i think that's what we saw here in these two games is him taking charge of the play on the ice yeah first off just have to start this out by saying i did not get to watch thursday's game live uh the guy below us johnny decided that it would be the appropriate time to take me to my second Chicago Bears game and watch the Chicago Bears play. So I didn't get to see Bedard mania on Thursday night in in real time. We got back to Casa de Marchese and sort of watched the highlights at like, what was it, one in the morning, Ron? Um, Just as impressive on the replay, but uh, it's certainly inspiring to see what this kid can do against – really really tough opponent i mean this is just an 18 year old kid taking over an nhl hockey game you're gonna see that and this is what people expected you're gonna see a lot more of this inspiring is probably what i would open with Yep, I like that. I think that's a good assessment. We'll get to your guys' little uh, delayed um, watch party sort of deal um, in in a little bit. But um, for me, the way that I would kind of describe this is just that all of the hype that has been floating around ever since this kid was even shit playing for Regina last year, um, leading up to the draft, the draft itself, the lottery. Um, and then obviously with debuting and doing the whole national media circus for both the U S and Canada to start the season, all of that was worth it. All the people that got in the comments, say post someone else besides Connor Bedard. This is why this is why the league did this and they're promoting him like this, because guess what? I saw a great, uh, little write up and it was about like, uh, um just like does anyone remember Connor McDavid's first game no it was like a random Tuesday night road game for the Edmonton Oilers against St. Louis and nobody really knew what the hell was going on with with the league at that time right um but now they made it a point that you're going to go and tune in and watch Connor Bedard he's going to be on national TV he's going to be in the spotlight he's going to be shared on all the socials and guess what if you don't like it you're you're going to get the salt shaker from Four Feathers Pod here 
because Connor Bedard is proving that he's worth it with, with some of these uh, plays that, that he made over these two games. Let's dive into him and talk Thursday's game first. A 5-3 win at Tampa Bay. Tony, the opposite of what we predicted here. We thought they would lose at Tampa. Tough uh, you know, team. The Lightning was starting to get going. We talked about how they were weathering the storm without Vasilevsky there. Um, but in this game, obviously, this is Connor Bedard's four-point game. Um, his first multi-goal game of his career. And guys, Kevin Korchinski also scored his first NHL goal. I, I really like this from a milestone standpoint. Milestone games are cool and tough. They certainly are, Johnny. And uh, it was actually something I brought up to Tony on that Thursday night. I said, you know, we got to see the Kevin Korchinski first goal picture with the big cheesy smile because he's all happy. And the Hawks won. Right. He got to get his first goal in a Hawks victory. Unfortunately, we we witnessed Counter Bedard get his first career NHL goal in a loss. So uh, just something worth noting there. But agreed uh, from a milestone perspective. Awesome for Kevin Kuczynski to get on the board uh, again. I think a guy that succeeded all of our expectations as well. I know obviously the focus is on number 98 as it should be, but uh, certainly worth noting and, and, and keeping an eye on number 55. And I think he's blown it up, blown expectations out of the water. Uh, it's really good to see him get number one on Thursday night in that win. Ron, I got a quick question for you on that topic. Uh, you were a, a guy that was firmly in camp that Kevin Korczynski was going to get returned after just a few games at the NHL level. I, I, I know you are sitting there saying he's overperforming or outperforming expectations. Are those your personal expectations or just in general? Because I thought when this season started, at least myself, He's here. He's going to be here all year. I know that uh, that wasn't the popular opinion, but I would say that this is not only a, another positive development, but he really has not only stayed at the NFL, he performed so far. I mean, we're still seeing some of the rookie mistakes, I think, that we all expected, but he's getting himself involved in place, involved on the power play. There's all sorts of great growth signals coming from Kevin Korczynski. Is that a, your personal expectation, Ron, that when you're talking about this, or is it more or less, are you saying he's above another notch? I, I think it might be a little more than just my personal expectation tone, because I know a lot of people were excited and thought he would stick around this year. And I, I think a lot of people might be getting the idea of him sticking around and him exceeding expectation mixed up because I think they're very different. Um, you know, because in theory, right. He could have, they could have said, well, we're going to be bad. It doesn't matter as long as he develops. I think a lot of people and Johnny, you and I talk about this all the time. D men develop a lot slower than forwards do in the NHL. It's just proven fact. There's a track record of it. It's not just, you know, people throwing words to the wind. What I think is so impressive about Korchinski is the fact that he is just a 19-year-old kid playing defense more or less, especially recently, it's been on the top pairing as well. He's playing 20-plus minutes a night. They're not sheltering him. He's not being played in, you know, 16 minutes a night or anything like that. He's getting power play time. I think he's exceeding the expectation in the sense of he's kind of grabbed that top pairing role opposite of Seth Jones kind of by the reins here and has owned it. And you you noted, yes, he's had those, those rookie mistakes, and I think that was absolutely expected. But I think we've seen a lot less of those rookie mistakes, especially this early on, than I think what the maybe general public and even maybe just us three would have thought coming into the season. So I, I think, yes, the – he exceeded the expectation in, in a sense, right, of sticking around beyond that entry-level slide kind of milestone. But I think in terms of the, just the play on the ice, the the going back to the WHL conversation, be damned, I think he has exceeded a lot of people's expectation because of the role he's playing. He's not a third-pairing defenseman being sheltered, not playing big minutes. It's the complete opposite for Kaczynski as a 19-year-old. And I think that's really, really impressive at the NHL level. Ron, I think that's a great assessment of Kevin Korchinski there uh, so far, what we've seen. And I've still seen him take his lumps. When you go and look at that hockey stat card uh, report after each game, unfortunately, there's a few where he's just down there. And I think that's a product of the team itself, uh, the, the overall play. Um, you know, the, the, it's not like the Blackhawks. I, I can name really a game in which they dominated offensively right in terms of like they were the aggressor in pushing these maybe uh, you know, Toronto scoring chances right right um they're, they're few and far between they're few and far between is the point and I'll get a little bit more into that in our ruffles and feathers segment a little bit later um however it's I would 
think that your assessment there um, is pretty spot on for, you know, where Kevin Korchinski stands uh, at, at this current point in time. I, I was in the same camp as you. I thought he would go back to juniors just strictly for development purposes here. Um, and the fact that there's no rush here. There's no rush this year, right? We, we knew. We, we knew what the expectations are. I think the organization themselves had uh, a bar that they were going to, you know, okay, we're not going to perform above this certain level this year. So it's about the development and getting these guys geared up for the future. Um, but it, it's it's nice to see him stick. Um, it really is because, guess what, having the rookies here in Chicago, not having to go and watch the highlights from, you know, the, the their WHL teams. They, they do a great job, but, you know, it's, it's just not the same. It's not the same. <laughs> go and watch those. So, um, yeah, uh, that's a good uh, rundown of Korchinski there. Guys, as we're talking about Thursday's game here, a little, rev- a little lost in the shuffle because of all the rookie excitement. Is this a revenge game for Corey Perry and Tyler Johnson? Both of these veteran forwards, former Lightning players, get on the board in this one. And I absolutely love to see it um, because, you know, th- there was a not I wouldn't say major like conflict or like back and forth between Perry and the Lightning. But essentially, they couldn't afford to keep him around. And they thought, you know, he was worth less than he was. And sure, the Blackhawks are overpaying for him a little bit here. But a guy like that, an instigator type like that going and seeing him score against his former team um it, it was pretty sweet on our end and i thought i'd never say that uh, regarding cory cory perry but here we are in 2023 there's a lot of things that i didn't think we'd be saying about cory perry in 2023 i mean just add it to the list johnny it's uh it's always good to see players that have come to your team perform against their former team i think just from athlete perspective though Guys tend to get up for those games, right? Like you see this across all sports. Um, there's there's definitely a business aspect to this, but uh, I think there's just a little extra juices flowing when you go back to your old arena, your old field, um, and perform in front of fans that uh, watched you and cheered you on. Um, obviously, there was probably people shouting some not-so-nice things to Corey Perry. Maybe some people were – giving him a little bit of extra motivation in a positive way. You don't know exactly what's taking place down there uh, at ice level, but for both of these guys, Johnson included, I definitely think it's a revenge game. It has to be. Um, You got to find ways as a player to keep yourself going throughout the season. And this is just one of those, I believe, uh, Chuck's games when they look at the schedule that comes out each year for the team that they're playing, going back somewhere familiar, um, so I, I definitely think geared up a little bit. If you want to call it revenge? I think that's the perfect word for it. Uh, go out and show that team why uh, why they made a mistake letting you go. And and both of those guys did that. Yeah, and I, I think just to add to what Tony said, because I think you put it perfectly, my friend, look at the way these two departed the team, right? In, in Perry's case, like you noted, Tony, they just couldn't afford to keep him. They, they thought uh, his rights were worth a seven round, seventh round draft pick more so than, you know, trying to make something work and keep him on the roster. And he said, eh, okay, that's fine. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to give it to you where I can. But I think more so in the Tyler Johnson case, they traded him for dead cat money so they could fuck around and make the LCIR work. Like they literally gave him away with a second round pick to the Blackhawks at the yeah. time, just so they would take his contract. And now, you know, being able to see him kind of respond and, and get that goal and be the goal that was the first primary assist for Connor Bedard on the season on top of it, uh, I think it makes it just a little bit sweeter as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Good, good to see those guys showing out against their former team. Another slight, uh, solid night for Peter Morazic. We uh, gave him his flowers on the show last week. Uh, he made 30 saves on 33 shots against um, solid outing between the pipes once again uh, for him. And uh, guys, just with some of these reactions with, you know, we talked about those rookies uh getting on the board and then um obviously the veteran guys in the former lightning there all every time that they would cut back up to the moms it's just awesome that's why part of this episode title is blackhawks moms rock i love seeing the reactions there i think it's just such a cool thing especially when they do this uh they do the dad's trip as johnny well. loves um, moms confirmed the, Yes. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Can confirm mama's boy here. The hundred percent Blackhawks moms rock. So I just loved seeing that. Um, but the Hawks did not come away unscathed. Unfortunately, three injuries in this game, guys. I feel I felt like the bearer of bad news uh, sending this to you while you guys read the Bears game. But um, all these guys exited early. Taylor Hall. Uh, Andreas Athanasiu and Jared Tenorti. Um, obviously, Tenorti is going to be out a little bit longer. Um, 
Hall skated on his own before practice today. Um, don't know about AA status. He wasn't out there. So um, this, you know, it, it came at a cost, um, but unfortunately that's just the way hockey is sometimes. So, um, you know, they, they, they come in waves and the Blackhawks certainly got that despite getting the win uh, on Thursday. All right. Let's move it on uh, Sunday's game, wrapping up this little two-game Sunshine State swing. And it was a 4-3 loss uh, to Florida. But, guys, once again, Connor Bedard stole the show, regardless of the final score here. Connor Bedard steals the show. Uh, we got those highlights up over on DebSportsNet.com. You can go and check them out. Um, the first goal, we, we got to talk about it because it was defense and instant offense from the Rockstar zone. What do you see on it? He's so good. He's so good, guys. He is. He's just so good. You know what's crazy about Connor Bedard is he makes everything look effortless. I think that's why that play is so impressive. To stick lift the defenseman and literally in just one motion, right? He just, he waits for a second. You can see him. He's just trying to gauge where Bob's is going to sit. And he goes, okay, top shelf. Whoop. And just flips it up top effortlessly. I mean, that's a play that, as as Kirk is already dropping here in the conference, confirmed hashtag nasty. And it was nasty because there are probably maybe 10 to 12 players in the league that make that play, right? If if that at this point. And again, Tony noted earlier, like, this is just an 18-year-old kid. So he's so good. He's so good, guys, because he's just he's kind of bedard, and it's so much fun to watch. I can't follow that up like at all, but the, the, the goal in and of itself is highlight real video game. Like I, I can't even go through the reaction that took place when he scored that goal, because it happened in the blink of an eye. If you were yep. not focused on what was taking place on this play, you're thinking, this puck's going back down the ice. Excellent forecheck, stick lift, and it's in the net. Just like that is how fast he can take over a game. And you, you've seen this a couple of times now. From it's This is not the first time that he's made a play in the blink of an eye that can change the complexion of a hockey game. That's why he's a generational talent. And, Ron, just give me one more. He's so good. Please. He's so good. He's so good, Tony. (laughs) If you missed out on that, go and check it out over at Four Feathers Pod on X. Um, That's Ron, the Ron Loose Cam uh, reaction video to, um, you know, to Connor Bernard's goal. That was from one of them on Thursday night. Um, But I'm sure we'll have plenty more of those to come. So that that was, uh, you know what? I'm kind of glad that you guys were out, out and about during the game. So then that could be born um later after the fact so uh, good stuff there um elsewhere in this game obviously we got another bedard goal to talk about but lucas reichel nice little assist uh with the lines being shuffled up due to those injuries he finds uh known second line center jason dickinson in front of the net that opens scoring uh in this one and then um guys uh nick felino sticking up for Connor bedard uh took a big hit uh, in, in the second period here this is what the hashtag culture is all about tony i know you're all about it so let's hear thoughts on nick felino this is what we like to fucking see boys and this is why as our enforcer on the show uh, had posted out there on X right after this play took place. That's a guy that's worthy of an A on his chest right there. The way that this team sticks up for each other, and especially Connor Bedard in this circumstance, speaks volumes because it it's a deterrent. It is an absolute deterrent to have Foligno, Corey Perry, uh, Jared Tenorti, guys like that on this roster to protect what is that generational talent that we're just gushing over seconds ago? But the fact that, you know, Felino goes out there immediately, an immediate response. We're not fucking touching Connor Bedard. That's not going to happen. Don't care if the hit was clean. Don't care if it was dirty. The fact that a finger was laid on him and Nick Felino is right in your face and going to throw you onto the fucking ice, that is the deterrent that the Blackhawks need because people are going to go out there and they're going to take a shot at Bedard. You know that there's tons of players in this league that want to be on the you know ESPN Sports Center highlight reel showing that they were the one that took out Connor Bedard for two weeks so that nobody else can fucking hear about him because there's plenty of salt out there. That's not happening with this team. You're going to get your ass fucking kicked if you try that shit. Love Felino's response. It was perfect. Make sure he, he you know, knows you try that again, 
things are going to happen. So I know we end up taking, uh, he ends up taking two uh, minor penalties. It winds up four minutes. Uh, doesn't even matter. I, I you yep. can say that that counts in this game. It doesn't matter. It's long term here. We're not thinking about the short term, you know, end result of one game. Connor Bedard already put on his show as a Blackhawks fan. I'm fucking happy. I've seen two great goals. That's it. Keep your hands fucking off of them, or else you're answering to a guy like Nick Felino. And and that's why I think, guys, we talked about this earlier. You don't fucking trade either of those guys at the deadline. You keep them here for protection. They are the bouncers. I don't think you could find one person in Blackhawks landscape, whether that be uh, fellow players, coaches, media, fans on social media that felt the um, that have felt any will ill will towards Nick Felino taking a double minor there. Everybody was united in the fact that, okay, that needed to happen. That that was going to happen. And it did. And they killed it. They killed it all off too. So good for them. <laughs> yeah. And again, I just think too, right. Especially because we sat on here as soon as all those moves happened and said, this is why these moves have been made. And this was really the first time we had to watch it come to fruition in the sense of Nick Foligno ultimately going after Dmitry Kulikov. But at the end of the day, you got Tony, you put it perfectly. This is this is why these guys are on the roster. Not only are they here to lead by example and to, to be those veterans in the locker room for a guy like Connor Bedard and all these young kids, but they're also on the ice to be, as you said, the bouncers. And if you want to do something stupid, that's fine. Just know you're going to have to answer for your stupid acts. Yep. I like it. Uh, get a good rundown there. Um, last Bedard goal uh, of this one, <laughs> um, man. Takes puck up the left wing boards. Nice little uh, feed by Seth Jones too, feathering that through the neutral zone and up to Connor Bedard, who then uses his speed and his deception, uh, shielding the puck on his own, kind of from the defender and all in one motion, getting that puck um, to a shooting position and then using that nasty release to uh, go upstairs on Bob and uh, you know uh, score another one for the Blackhawks for his second consecutive two goal game. Um, like I said, guys, he is just heating up here, just getting going. Did you see the the slow-mo replay of that play as well? When he takes the puck to the forehand, it's in midair when he hits it. Like just so the I've seen this disproven. Is I've seen this bananas. disproven, Ron. Really? I've seen it disproven that the yeah, camera I th- I angle think, because... I think Second City Hockey was fake news there. Yes. Okay. It was. I think this is actually confirmed fake news, but regardless, whether it's in the air or on its side, I still think it's that impressive to pick your spot from that angle. But 100%. that was a little bit of an optical illusion. I did see that, had the thought in my mind for about an hour and yep. a half to Ron, that that was in midair. And there was a different look that came that showed that it was sort of caused by the shadows and the way that the lighting hit that puck. But gotcha. either way. Either way. I mean, again, it's not a flat puck. Like, there's guys that – a flat puck can't pick their spot like that. And this guy's got it rolling on its side. And again, it's effortless. It just, again, every time he touches the puck, I feel like he does something stupid that makes all of us just go, wow, this dude's unbelievable. He's so good, Brad. (laughs) He's so good, guys. He's so good. You're going to hear that a lot. You're going to hear that a lot here on Four Feathers Pod. Too, too funny. All right. Uh, Last thing for this one, Blackhawks made a third period push uh, in this game, but unfortunately we're not able to come up short. Um, This is what you kind of get with with this team. Um, You know, we had talked about them not really being the drivers of play. Um, Obviously, it was a little bit different story when Bedard is on the ice. But uh, when you just look at this roster, the the rest of it up and down, sure, it was nice to see them uh, make that push. But they just do not have the firepower um, to make these types of comebacks consistently. They're going to have a few here and there. Don't get me wrong. But this is just, you know, why we had to kind of temper expectations. If you were getting a little bit into the Bedard mania early and thinking, oh, are this team going to challenge for a wild card spot? This is the kind of stuff where you just need to, you know, sit back. And while it's great to go and see these Connor Bedard plays and get excited over it, um, you also have a realistic view of where the team is at. And that results in a 4-3 loss uh, to split this trip uh, down to Florida. Guys, question that arose. And I just threw it out there on X from Four Feathers. I wanted to gauge the audience's response. And it was kind of split on this one because it was Arvid Soderblom in net. And I, I was kind of doing it as a meme joke at first, but I think it turns into a good discussion here. I'll ask the question and let you guys respond. Is Arvid Soderblom ass? The hockey reference page does not look good uh, overall for his career. I know he's had some bad teams in front of him, but 
we're getting to a point now. Oh, the rebound control is a little bit off. He sinks a little bit too deep into his net. Is Arvid Soderblom ass? I want to I hear from our local uh, goalie expert first, Mr. Marchese, here on this one. That's fair. I've got some some stuff written down on my little docket that uh, I prepared for this discussion because I'm just going to preface the entire conversation with I wanted to see him get a lion's share of starts this season. 24-year-old goalie. I hate Peter Mrazek. I didn't like his play last year. I think that that's been well documented on the show. Um, you know, and I, I want to see what the Blackhawks have in goal because that's going to be important as we move towards competing and that other good stuff. But is Arvid Soderblom ass? That is really up for debate at this point. This, As Johnny mentioned, the hockey reference page doesn't lie. Safe percentage, 882 so far on the year. Uh, that is good for 59th amongst goaltenders. That doesn't players that have played in one game. Uh, you can slide them up just a little bit on that list uh, if you exclude guys with under two starts. I mean, it's still early, but 882 is not great, Bob, uh, by any stretch of the imagination. Goals against average 3.99. Uh, you're giving up about four goals per game. That's also trouble. Here's where it starts to get interesting because are we still in small sample size of the season just over 10 games in? You can make an argument that you are. Now, a guy who's slightly below him on this list in terms of save percentage, who just played goaltender for the Blackhawks a couple years ago, known great Marc-Andre Fleury, uh, just below him a little bit. So there is precedent out here that good goalies can get through a bad stretch. Here's the one that's really interesting to me, boys. Hockey Reference has a stat for goalies. I didn't even know this existed until today when I started looking into it. It's called RBS. Really bad starts. Very simple. He's only got two so far out of his six starts. Quality starts, he's got three. Now, two really bad starts one you can point to, I know you guys both know the game here that in, out in Arizona gets pulled, just did not look good. But I thought when I was going to go look at this, he would lead the league really bad starts. Now, some of this is minimized by the fact that Peter Morazic has played out of his mind in, in goal for the Blackhawks and has had uh, basically a 50-50 share of the starts for the Blackhawks so far. But I expected him to have more than two really bad starts. There is plenty of goaltenders on this list who are near the top of the league that are sitting there with two really bad starts, just like Arvid Soderblom. I don't know if uh, that's going to continue or where the trend goes. I don't think we've seen enough yet this season, though, to classify Arvid Soderblom as ass. I'm concerned. I'll put myself in the current camp. There's definitely a couple other goalies who are 23 to 26 years old that are having much better years than Arvid Soderblom. However, I would argue that those guys were billed a lot higher than uh, him coming into this year. And I don't think that he is really going to be competing for your number one goaltending spot on a competing team. I think that Drew Camesso and a couple other names uh, within the Cox organization are there. I think he's really more or less competing for a number two goalie spot on this team in three or four years or, you know, winds up somewhere else. Is he ass? I'm not sure. The stats don't look good, but there's a couple of things out here that say we're just dealing with a very small sample size of what Soderblom can do this season. Stat guy, Tony. Stat guy, Tony, makes his first appearance ever on Four Spot. I like it. I like it. That was a good breakdown. Ron, thoughts on Arvid Soderblom? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that was an incredible breakdown. Also, quick shout out uh, to Christian uh, in our YouTube comments here. We we appreciate you. Uh, I, I, I have to agree with Tony. I, I think it's too soon. And, and just a couple of numbers to add to that. 24 
is the number of career starts Arvid Soderblom has at the NHL level yet. That's only, what, a quarter of a season so far of NHL play over the last three years that we have to gauge on. He's also only 24 years old. There's still a lot of time. Some goalies take a lot longer to develop. We've seen the 26- and 27-year-old goalie before, right? We saw Antti Niemi, for example, make his debut as a Blackhawks goaltender somewhere in that age 26-27 range. You know, Soderblom might be a little bit ahead of the schedule, and – I agree with Tony. You know, it's crazy. You you would have thought just by looking at his stats throughout the year that you're like, wow, this guy's got to be bad. And then you go and look at the numbers and you're like, it's kind of a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde situation. I think a lot so far this year for Arvid Soderblom, it really has been a lot of good or a lot of not so good. You look at, you know, just his six starts so far this year, as you outlined tone and just to go in a little more depth with these, even though he takes the loss in Boston, 32 shots against only gives up two goals, gets the win in Toronto, a 30, you know, a 35 save performance out of 36 shots against. Then he goes to Vegas, gives up five on 24 shots. So, you know, smaller amount of shots. He gives up more goals. Same thing goes then in that Arizona game, seven goals against on just 22 shots, but then comes back with just three goals against on 40 shots against the Devils, who are a very good team, as we know. And then the four against, you know, 31 shots in Florida over the weekend. It almost feels like at this point that, dare I say, Arvid Soderblom's better when he faces more shots. That's kind of how it feels so far this season. So, I, I, yeah, exactly. I, I think some of that is just getting into rhythm, and some of that might just come with his youth and inexperience because it's really hard for a good, you know, a goaltender to get back into a groove if the game is played on the other end for large stretches of time. And that's why having that veteran that can take over a game is I think so important in terms of goaltending. So, you know, just to continue to add Tony, I do think the jury is still out, um, but wow, it has really been a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde situation over the last six games for Arvin Soderblom. For sure. Right. One thing that I just want to comment on is that uh, Jimmy Waite, the goaltending coach for the Blackhawks has worked a lot with Arvin Soderblom. And I read a Ben Pope article during preseason and it was that Jimmy Waite believes Arvin Soderblom has the it factor. Now this goes beyond the stats, beyond the, the he was kind of talking about his calmness and his ability to remain, you know, level-headed through it all, kind of like Corey Crawford was. So that was kind of like the, the comp in terms of composure, right? Um, I that very well may be the case. I really don't see him get flustered. He doesn't, you know, like Mark Andre Fleury was. He's a uh, you know very um, animated goaltender, right? He'll go and kiss the posts after stuff like that. You're never going to see that level of you know sort of thing from Arvid Soderblom. I don't know if the guy even cracks a smile after making a big save, um, but that has to now be backed up by the fundamentals in net. And I saw that he was sinking a little bit too low into his crease and then pair that with not great rebound control. I would classify it as, um, especially I want to say it was the third goal uh, against Florida. Uh, just a, a play that really could have been avoided. And sure the Blackhawks aren't doing him too many favors defensively by allowing that many high danger looks from in tight, but, it seems like Peter Morazic is able to swallow up a puck right there if it gets into his wheelhouse, right? Whereas Arvid Soderblom, it's popping right out there. And then you got those big bodies crashing down towards the net and it's getting chipped in on him. And you know what? I, you know, I'm usually one to go and look at the defense and what was the breakdown that led to a goal against. This was one where I honestly said, Soderblom, you got to cover that up. You got to have that. You got to smother it. So that's what I'll be looking for improvement wise to determine whether or not he's ass. If it doesn't improve, then I am inclined to say that he's ass and we can go and look on to the next chapter in Blackhawks goaltending. And that would be Drew Camesso, which Christian wants to know about here. Um, says, really want to know what we have in Camesso. This guy uh, was named the Rockford Ice Hogs player of the month for October, right? Um, and I believe that was a 2-1-0 record or 2-0-1, one of those, but he had one shutout in there. And um, this is a kid that, you know, comes out of college, is now playing his first professional season. And I think um, that experience then at both of those levels will only help him. Um, and you're already seeing some early returns on it. So but I know we haven't watched a whole lot of hogs here uh, at Four Feathers Pod, but just thoughts on Drew Camesso early on uh, into his pro career. Yeah, I, I think early on here with Drew Camesso, the one thing that maybe went a little bit under the radar because it was so early in the season, uh, he became the youngest player in Rockford Icehawks history to record a shutout. Uh, you know, again, he he's 
he's a player that had a lot of upside. Obviously, he was a second round draft pick. Goalies that are taken in the second round are guys that certainly have upside and talent. But I think a lot of people were discouraged with his his college numbers. And I, I, I get it, right? You, you might expect more of a guy who was a second round draft pick at the collegiate level. But as, as we've noted here, sometimes that also relies on the structure being played in front of you and who you're playing against as opponents. You know, when he was at BU, they played really good collegiate hockey opponents that you, you've you seen it out there in the, in the waves around the hockey world. Some people believe collegiate hockey has now maybe exceeded the you know the chl in terms of talent at the current at the current level obviously guys are older and things like that but i i really do think Camesso's off to a great start with rockford sadly for for you know christian's case here we probably won't know what he has at the nhl level until probably earliest next year unless there's just a ton of injuries but that's exactly what the blackhawks want to happen they want drew Camesso to be that number one goaltender every single day down in rockford and he's taking advantage of it right now and as long as he continues on this trajectory over the course of the season i think people can have a lot of confidence in what he could bring at the nhl level moving into next year ron i agree with you here and the one thing i wanted to and this is this goes totally against my heart cuz i'd love to see him at the nhl level just to see what we have even if it's for a game or two but when you have Peter Azix start to this season, you're still trying to figure things out with Arvid Soderblom. You've got guys like Jackson Sauber, a couple other that can pop up here and are probably the first call up with a little bit more NHL experience. You don't want to rush Drew Camesso. You want to make sure that you get as much development time as Ron said. And I think that's important as the number one guy, it's his job this year to be that number one guy down there. And uh, as, as mentioned previously as well, player of the month in, in October there. So those are good accolades to start rap, like just raking in as, as an NHL goaltender early on in your career. If that's your, if that's your path uh, to being a number one guy, you want to start racking up those accolades. You want to start having that sort of confidence build early on. That's part of the development process. So as much as it pains me to say, I don't know what we're going to have in true Camesso because I don't think we're going to see him this season. Hopefully not even though part of me wants to see him. Uh, I think that this is critical development for Drew Camasso, for the Blackhawks, for the whole goaltending situation that we have here um, with the Chicago Blackhawks over the next three to four years. Yep. Uh, on the development track there, I know they're different positions, but look what a basically a full season in Rockford did for Alex Vlasic now returning in arguably being your most reliable defenseman so far. And that can be attributed. You go and listen to his comments on some of his time in Rockford there. That can be attributed to his time in Rockford, playing in all situations down there. Once again, different positions here, and we've talked about the disparity in development between forwards, defensemen. Goaltenders are another different category there too. Um, But that experience, that development um, is crucial. It's necessary, and I think it's in the Blackhawks' best interest if he does not sniff the NHL level at all this season. And then obviously you're going to have to make a decision because this is Peter Mrazic's last year under contract here. Um, So is he ready to jump up, make that jump next year? You're going to have to make those decisions towards the end of this year and into training camp. I would imagine he gets some preseason run next year to at least test it out. So um, we'll see. That's probably the timeline on Drew Camesso, but I think a good transition out of that from uh, talking about Arvid Soderbloom there. All right, guys, on to another question that was posed to us by our guy Voodoo, Matt, uh, on X, and he says, who will be the Blackhawks' next Hosa-like signing? I'm interested to hear your guys' takes on this. Tony, would you like to share yours first again? You know, I really don't have a name here, guys. I I don't have a magic crystal ball that's telling me this guy's going to come here. Um, I think it's sort of going to depend on where the Blackhawks are at in terms of a lot of other roster development pieces. I can't really pick out one name right now that's going to be a free agent that's really going to replicate Hosa. And this is more about Marion Hosa than it is about who's in the NHL right now. No one's going to replicate the Marion Hosa signing. It's just not going to happen. So that really, you can't recreate a great cinematic movie like that. The, the, the repeat or the, the sequel to that is not going to be as great as 
the cinematic version that was Marion Hossa. And for all of the respect in the world that I have for Marion Hossa, I will not make a sequel to that movie. I'll let that person make a name for themselves. I like it. I, I, I was going to say, I don't think there's any follow-up to that on at least the Hosa front. I, I agree with everything Tony had to say there. Um, for sake of the question, and, you know, I, I know we're getting some some uh, some comments here from a, a few of the listeners right now. Sockside Sox, Mike 90 saying where there's some rumors that Nylander may come over, um, as well as Christian jumping in here also saying William Nylander. Johnny, you mentioned it that John Gucci goes, thought that Nylander was going to be that name. And when I when I thought about this, and I took this question into a lot of heart, I really put a lot of research into this this afternoon. And even I started this yesterday when I saw that come across on, on the old X machine. And I said, see, but I look at a player like William Nylander, and I look at the fact that he's only put up two 80-point seasons in his career so far. And I look at a player that, you know, is, is a very good hockey player, but I don't think he brings a complete game, and I don't think there's everything that he would want to be. He'd be a great addition, don't get me wrong, but when I think of the Marion Hosa's signing and what that meant to the, the Blackhawks over 10 years ago, that move was more so, hey, our core of homegrown talents in place, we need one electrifying player that can be added to that group to go on a run and be an elite hockey team for the next X amount of years. And, you know, it's hard because Marion Hoso came in at 31 years old, which again, older in the, in the state of hockey, especially nowadays, right? It's, it's really become a young kid's game in the NHL. And he played until he was 38 and probably could have played longer if it wasn't for the skin condition, ultimately, you know, calling for his early retirement. A couple of names I came up with here that are not William Nylander, because don't get me wrong, I would like to see a William Nylander edition, but if he's going to want $10 million a year, I don't know if he's that player that the Blackhawks should invest $10 million plus dollars in per season, especially knowing that. You know, a, a guy like Connor Bedard is going to need to be paid here in the near future. I have two names for you guys. One is is on the same team as William Nylander, and the other is actually in the Western Conference. And a name that I think a lot of people don't think about because he is such a piece of another core at the moment, but a guy that in a couple of years, this team might have to make some money decisions on. So I'm going to get to the other name first, and that is Mitchell Marner. And I say Mitch Marner because that's the type of guy that comes in and shakes up a team like the Marion Hosa signing did Mitch Marner in his entire NHL career has never had less than 61 points in a full season. He did that as a rookie since then, since that rookie season, 69 points, 94, 67, 67, 97, and 99 a year ago. That is the type of player that I would invest 10 million plus dollars in. If I'm a guy like Kyle Davidson, Oh, and he's going to be a free agent, not after this season, but after next season, aligning with the Blackhawks timeline. In addition, guys, a player that I think goes under the radar in this conversation because, again, he's the part of a current core right now. The Colorado Avalanche in a few years are going to have a lot of money decisions to make. Gabe Landeskog is under contract $7 million a year until the end of time. Nathan McKinnon has now earned his McDavid-like contract, making over $12 million a year. Devin Taves receives a very notable raise as a defenseman going into next season. They still have Kale McCarr making $9 million a year. They also have a couple of other guys making some big bucks for long term. This guy's not up for another two seasons, but a prime 29-year-old Miko Rontanen would look really good in a Blackhawks sweater. He has been the unsung hero of these Avs teams, in my humble opinion, because ever since his rookie season, he only put up 38 points, still a 20-goal season as a rookie. The last handful of years, he put up 84 points in his second full NHL season, then 87 points. Then in only 42 games in the 1920 season, he still had 41 points, 66 and 52 the year after that, 92 points the year after that. And he's coming off an 105-point season that saw him score 55 times. Miko Rontanen would look really, really good on Connor Bedard's wing. That is the type of guy that I would want to see the Blackhawks target if he makes it to free agency. And there's a chance. There is a chance because the Avs are going to have a lot of hard decisions to make when it comes to the cap over the next couple of years. Those are the two names that I would target over a name like William Nylander, strictly for because they are only entering their prime now as you know late 20-year-olds, and they're going to be worth what they would probably ask for on the market compared to a player such as William Nylander. I love that breakdown, Ron. I love that you found those examples. And I think when you're talking about two-way guys, Mitch Marner, 
fills that Hosa um, void, you know, uh, role a little bit more um, just because of his penalty killing prowess and his kind of do it all. Um, and then you obviously you added the point production in there. So I would probably lean towards that if I was going to give it a take here. I'd be remiss, though, guys, if I did, didn't throw it out there just because this is hard to ever fathom. And I shied away from it because I can't see Connor McDavid in any any uniform other than an Edmonton Oilers sweater. However, you guys have all seen the turbulence going on up there in Edmonton with Jay Woodcroft being fired. Um, there's it looks like the Oilers might already have a lost year. I've I've already deemed them cooked, guys. Um, someone in the replies to, to Matt here he mentioned uh, Connor McDavid down the road says he's uh it says Matt skipper he, he says uh, he wants out of edmonton hawks will have the money he can play with bedard it's going to happen um and it says they have enough money to get a few stars because matt uh, responded that um rather have five stars than one mcdavid um and maybe not five but some of those could be homegrown there so it, it's I, I, don't, I don't foresee that, but I just got to say this type of question is already raising the flags like that. Um, we, we're getting kind of, you know, starry eyed dreaming here. at four. Can we starry eyed dream for, for just another minute here guys, and say that that does somehow come to fruition? In our lifetimes, we will have had the, the Kane Taves Hosa era. And then could you imagine like a Bedard McDavid era? How fucking salty and mad are the haters going to be if that happens? It would be wild. It would be absolutely wild. Again, starry-eyed dreaming just for a second. But people hate us. We know it. How much more would they hate us? I mean, we'd be on national television just immediately for every game. Everything's on ESPN+. Plus. It doesn't even matter. It would be... It wouldn't even be the madhouse on Madison anymore. It would be just madhouse everywhere in Chicago in terms of hockey. Uh, the jerseys that would sell, all the, the all the coverage highlights squarely on this city when it comes to hockey. It'd be incredible. 97 plus 98 is greater than 99. That's all I have to say. Ah. Oof. Ooh, I like that. I like that, Ron. You're very witty. I like that. Yeah, uh, it's a good question to ponder. Um, I'm sure we'll have some articles uh, about this topic coming out uh, on tipsportsnet.com. A little more starry-eyed dreaming for you. So stay tuned for that. But we got to get into our next segments here. Our weekly one, Ruffle Some Feathers. And I think everybody's got one this week. After a couple down weeks, we only had a few in the past weeks. But Tony, lead us off with your Ruffle Some Feathers. I know you got some old school notes there. I do. I've got my old school notes with me. And guys, I want to talk about a defenseman that is, is not talked about a lot on the show. And that's an exciting He is currently a plus four in, I believe it's five or six games that he's appeared. There's been no talk about how, when he is on the ice, not a lot of goals have been given up and a lot of goals have been scored. Now there's only one guy on this team who has, yeah, and, and see, this is why I'm ruffling feathers. This is the intended effect of this segment. If you're new here, uh, you want to make sure that you, you ruffle some feathers during the ruffled feather segment. There's only one player on the Blackhawks roster that has a better plus minus than Nikita Zaitsev, and that's Alex Flasic. He's got a plus five, uh, according to the NHL Blackhawks stats, a plus six, according to Hockey Reference right now. So there's a little discrepancy out there. But Nikita Zaitsev, guys, I don't think he's gotten a lot of credit. I know you both hate him. So I wanted to ruffle your feathers with this. Why is he second plus minus on this Blackhawks team right now? I figured this would open up a little bit of discussion, or you'll both just get mad at me and go read off your segment. Either way, uh, the stats don't lie here. As Stats Guy Tony is making a full appearance on today's show. That's because you're sheltering a veteran defenseman and you're not putting him in the toughest situations. That's what they're doing. And hey, you know what? I will give credit to Nikita Zaitsev for scoring the first goal among Blackhawks defensemen this year. We were there. We had a great view of it at our end of the rink, Tony. So I will. I'll give him his credit for that. Credit where it's due. However, he is not being thrown to the wolves like Seth Jones and Kevin Korchinski and Alex Vlasic and Connor Murphy. He is being shielded alongside Wyatt Kaiser uh, when he's out there. That is how 
Um, and it's usually with the top forward units then. So he's playing against fourth line guys. And then you're also getting your best Blackhawks uh, possession drivers out there on the ice at the same time. So um, while once again, you do have to go and look at the numbers and I, like I said, uh, give him the credit for scoring that goal um, and guess, you know, doing a job uh, when he is out there in those limited minutes. But the fact is they are limited. Yeah. Johnny, Johnny nailed it on the head. I have nothing else to add there. Um, that being said, though, I, I think he's probably performed better than I think a lot of people anticipated when he was acquired, uh, especially at the end of last season, right? I think there was a couple of really rough games when Nikita Zaitsev yeah. was on the ice for the Blackhawks. So, you know, maybe it's just more familiarity with the system and, and how Luke, Rich- Luke Richardson wants to play things, getting more comfortable with his deep pairing partner, who is more often than not Wyatt Kaiser. And again, they've been able to do just fine things. But again, again, as a third pairing, they are being trotted out there in more favorable situations. But that's okay because you still got to get it done. Hashtag crackle. It's when you're on the ice. I, I think it's a good thing that they're able to do what they did and have those results then show up in that way um, because it's just demoralizing. Then if he, he's going to get thrown to the wolves and not going to be able to make the play, um, it would just be that much more deflating for goaltenders, the whole team a, as a whole. So um, Ron on to you boys. There was, feather. there was one opportunity to drop that stat on you guys. And I had to, I had to ruffle some feathers. <laughs> I respect it. Hey, he's still my favorite traffic cone, Tony. We'll, we'll, we'll keep it at that. He's still my favorite traffic cone. I, and, and Tony, I'm glad you brought up a defenseman. Cause we're just going to stay on defenseman here. I'm here to ruffle some feathers because I know there's a lot of people out there that it, it really has become a situation where the contract has become the player in a lot of people's eyes. And I think that's truly unfortunate. I think we need to give Seth Jones a little more love than he's getting right now in Chicago. I truly believe that third in the league right now in time on ice, not just on the Blackhawks. This is in the NHL, the entire national hockey league, the greatest hockey league on the face of the planet. This dude just played 31 minutes the other night in Tampa, 31 minutes. You know who the last defenseman that did that kind of shit was on the Blackhawks? Duncan Keith. Like, you don't have that workhorse every day. And yes, I get it. Seth Jones is making a fuck ton of money to, again, maybe not put up the best of numbers on some really bad Blackhawks teams the last few years. But what he does give you, he gives you a stable, top workhorse defenseman that most teams in the league would kill for because they just don't have that. Look at Toronto. Great example. Morgan Riley, good defenseman. Don't get me wrong but they do not have that guy that is just a stable workhorse back there third in the league in time on ice. And you know, it's about time that people start showing Seth Jones more love in Chicago. He's going to be here for a long time, but he's going to do a couple of things real well. He's going to go out there. He's going to play his balls off for damn near half the game every single night. I think his average for the season is like over 27 minutes a night. So damn near half the game he's playing on your top power play unit. And He's going to be here for a very long time. Start to love number four a little more than you do right now. Ron is ruffling the feathers of all the people that hide behind pictures of like athletes or logos as their profile picture on social media sites. That That's who Ron's ruffling the feathers of because they like 100%. to talk the loudest about Seth Jones and his contract. And Ron, I'll double down with you on that because he was part of mine, but I think you summed it up there perfectly. Uh, the quotes, I think Charlie Miliotis of NBC Sports Chicago had a really uh, good sort of breakdown of it. Uh, got the Seth Jones perspective on playing those heavy minutes and then Luke Richardson's perspective and, and he even said sometimes you just take it for granted you just call his number because uh, it's a big situation in the game you get him to go out there and he does it answers the bell so um, I'm with you on that um, mine will be on analytics nerds here J Fresh Hockey and uh, <laughs> Natural Stat Trick were probably irate that the Blackhawks were even in that game against Tampa let alone dominating it scoreboard wise uh, on Thursday night guess what this team is not built to drive possession and be your shot attempts and Fenwick and Corsi leading just go and look at the talent on the roster. It's not built for that. So when anybody goes in, especially I love when they go to oh five on five because that's the ultimate determinant there. Guess what? Penalties happen in a game and you have to play short and you have to play with a man advantage on this. So I, I just I understand that you're trying to get like that benchmark. Oh, what are you doing best on even strength? And there are there are some good things that can come from those numbers in terms of predictive sort of, you know, oh, how are they playing? Is this sustainable? Those sort of things. But you also have to consider the talent on this roster and where this team is at in their development. So I don't put as much stock into these, you know, sort of like counting stats that add up during a game. And I'm sorry, I don't care if the Blackhawks got out high danger chance 
21 to 14 in the game. If Connor Bedard had two of those goals that resulted from my danger chances, we're pretty happy here among Blackhawks and here. Now, go in a few years and you're trying to compete, sure, go and take a little bit more critical eye on this. But for now, just back off and enjoy it. Enjoy the hockey game too. And guess what? Sometimes it's weird. Sometimes it happens just like that and your bad bounces go in. You're, you know, you get some puck luck. Sometimes it goes against you. That's hockey, baby. Incredibly well put. Yeah, sometimes the ugly play pans out, Johnny. And hockey's a weird sport because of that way. It doesn't matter how much you dominate possession. Sure, uh, usually av- the law of averages will apply at some point. But uh, I agree with you, Johnny. Just sit back and enjoy it. Connor Bedard had two tucks. I don't give a shit how badly they got outplayed on the possession. Uh, like, a, like I said, just like the roster, it's not one built to drive possession night in, night out. Not going to happen. So. Let's go on to the next one, our weekly segment. Salt Shaker. Boys, we had a double salt shaker during the game. Connor Bedard, just riling the people up here. Connor Bedard so riling the salty. people up on X. They're so salty. We got a Dallas Stars fan, Jeff Baker. He said, Wyatt Johnson did it better, shorthanded. Hashtag Blowhawks, very original, um, in response to that first uh, Connor Bedard goal. Um, we, we had dropped the salt shaker on him. You know, the, the Stars, the, their, their time is now. So we should just sit back and enjoy Wyatt Johnson and Miro Hiskin and all those guys down in Dallas, Jason Robertson, doing what they're doing. And I, if I were to pick right now, I would pick them to win the West. However, in a few years, Blackhawks are coming and they're coming back. So be ready for that. And also Ruby 3 one, 2003 um, looks like Chicago is a bunch of pussies that can't handle a clean hit like that. If Bedard can't take a hit like that, he should retire now. That is just a lovely, you know, take um, in response to the Nick Foligno sticking up for Connor Bedard situation there. Um, got dragged uh, in, in the replies by several other Blackhawks fans. And of course hit him with the salt shaker. That's the, that's exactly what the segment was made for guys. So um, all right. On to stick taps. Who you got? Who's shouting out this week? I'm going with Luke Richardson's early morning workouts. I mean, this provided a little bit of content for Blackhawks fans. It's good to know that uh, Luke Richardson wakes up in the morning and, and you know, pisses excellence and then heads to the gym and uh, is out there. You know, it doesn't even matter if you're on the road in Florida. Listen, if I was on the road in Florida even if I'm the coach of the Blackhawks, I'm sleeping until 930. You guys know that. That's happening regardless. When I see stories of people up at 630 in the fucking morning at the gym, you know that that, that dude means business uh, just being there. It's funny he ran in Connor Bedard. I know he's a little young, um, probably not having to do the same things that other adults like myself do on Saturday night. But up there early in the morning at the gym, 630, Stick taps to Luke Richardson for keeping it real and uh, just maintaining excellence as he always does. So that's my stick tap for the week. I like that one. And I like Connor Bedard's quote too. He's a horse on the Peloton. That was great. <laughs> incredible, incredible word usage from one number 98. Johnny, my stick tap, uh, just revisiting uh, the Nick Foligno situation. Stick taps, Nick Foligno. Um, I mentioned this to you guys in our, in our little group chat uh, off air or uh, when the play happened yesterday, um, you know, Nick Foligno is just sticking up for his son. He says, get off my child, you son of a bitch. Uh, and that's exactly what he did. So kudos uh, to the alternate captain for, for stepping up and, and, and you know, again, doing what he's here to do, not only mentor Connor Bedard, not only be a good example for Connor Bedard, but also protect Connor Bedard. Uh, and he did just that. So it's Dick Tax for number 17, Mr. Nick Bellino. All right, my stick taps go out to an inspiration for the title of this episode. Blackhawks moms, you rock. Love moms. Love moms. Big mom guy, confirmed. So shout out to the moms. It's just cool scenes all around. <laughs> I, I like seeing the bonding that goes on there, uh, the reactions a, a, after big plays. And hey, brought him a win. Um, I think they were close. It would have been cool if they could have got that comeback on Sunday. But uh, you know, but either way, I think they put on a show for him and probably had a little extra pep in the step um, on one of those trips because, you know, it's it's a family thing. It's, you know, some of these guys, depending on where they're from, depending on what their family situations are, they might not get to see him as frequently. So I like the Blackhawks do this as a running thing. And they have a pretty good record. on. I want to say they're six, four and one all time on mom's trip games. So, you know, shout out to the moms there. Stick taps all around there. All right. 
take a look at what's on tap next as we wind down this episode of Four Feathers. Um, another weird kind of schedule break here. Blackhawks are off till Thursday, and that's when they'll host Tampa. Reminder, that's an ESPN Plus Hulu exclusive, so you cannot watch that on NBC Sports Chicago. Uh, you can go and find um, Blackhawks How to Watch over at ontapsportsnet.com. Uh, we've got it all up there. And then it'll be another back-to-back over the weekend, uh, a little quick trip down to Nashville, 1 o'clock on Saturday, and Sunday back home versus Buffalo. One of those great 6 o'clock starts. Both of those will be on NBC Sports Chicago. Um, you guys going out? Anyone going out to either Thursday or Sunday? Johnny, I, I was going to say, you know, when, when the ESPN Plus Hulu exclusive games come on the schedule, uh, what better way to watch the game than just to say, fuck it, go in person. Uh, I will be there Thursday night, and I look forward to getting out to the UC. First time in the regular season, very excited. Uh, it's long overdue, um, and hopefully we get a repeat of what Connor Bedard did against the Bolts just a few days ago, because if that was the case, I would be a very happy human in attendance on Thursday night at the United Center. So, again, hey, if you want to watch at home on ESPN Plus or Hulu, you do that but if if you really want to get the best viewing experience of the chicago blackhawks head out to the united center go check out again the weekend starts on thursdays here what better way to start your weekend than at the united center for some blackhawks hockey see i texted ron earlier and i asked are you going to be there on thursday it's it's part of the uh the plan we both uh, are on and ron said i don't know so this i'm getting real-time information at the same time the listeners are ron Little golf clap here. Welcome, welcome to your first game. Uh as as part of the plan. It's been it, it feels like you weren't even a season ticket holder at this point. I mean, we've been we've been doing this really for does. over a month now. Uh I'm glad you're gonna make it out there. Johnny, I will also be there uh in attendance on Thursday night. That's the plan as of right now. Um be doing a little golfing beforehand, so we'll see. If uh, if I make it to the UC, it just depends on on how well I golf, um, and more or less if there's beers consumed uh, on the golf course beforehand, um, which is you know a, a highly likely chance that that will uh, take place. But uh, I'm going to try and find my way to the UC on on Thursday night as well and uh, watch another Blackhawks game in person because the ESPN Plus stuff. Not a big fan, Johnny. Not a big fan. Yeah, right. All right. Um, we're gonna. I think we're gonna have to track records here. Uh, me and Tony are both one and one right now. Um, at this time for being in attendance, Ron. Obviously, you haven't been there yet, so uh, your clean slate, double goose egg there. Um, I think we'll keep track here and see who has the best record uh, come the end of the year. Uh, should be an interesting contest among the four feathers pod panelists here. All right, guys. Uh, final thoughts, and let's wrap it up. Gentlemen, no final thoughts outside of the fact that it, it's another beautiful week for Blackhawks hockey. The The schedule is going to condense a little bit, so we're not going to have to wait 19 million days in between Blackhawks games like we have early this season. Um, it all starts Thursday back at home. A little, you know, a little doubleheader action over the weekend, and I think that they're back in action again on Tuesday night. So we uh, we got a lot of Blackhawks hockey coming up, and it feels good. To, the, the NHL schedule makers are, gave us this – we sacrificed our early part of the season having to wait 19 days between games to get four games in seven days coming up here in the in the near future. Very excited for it and uh, very excited hopefully to see you guys out of the UC very soon as well. Final thoughts. Uh, this is a repeat of what we talked about last week, Johnny. It still feels like we're stuck in this stop-go traffic. Blackhawks haven't won two in a row yet so far this season. It, it's just it's you're stuck on I-55 or Lakeshore Drive or name your Chicago street. That's that's what this has been. I'm very much looking forward to a nice winning streak. Not one game, not two games, three games in a row, so that we can really get high on the Hawks together. Like we need to get high on the Hawks. And I feel like the way to get high on the Hawks is a winning streak now. That's the next stepping stone to uh, you know, feeling good about this team. Yes, I love the Connor Bedard show. I love the goals. There's going to be games that we're it, we're not in, but Connor Bedard does some amazing stuff, and that is alone uh, a reason to watch Blackhawks hockey. But I would like to see this team take a step and win a couple games in a row. I think it would boost the morale even more on this show. This felt great today to talk about the Bedard stuff and all this other. I want like three in a row so we can sit on the show and make bold predictions, have meatball takes about how great we're going to be in years to come. It's always fun talking Blackhawks hockey with both of you guys. 
uh, that's my final thoughts. All right, mine, mine's uh, quick, simple, to the point. Uh, with that ESPN Plus Hulu setup, uh, make sure you download the WGN radio app, get your AM radio out um, close to your TV, and sync up John and Troy so you don't have to suffer through the ESPN broadcast. You can usually do a little stop, pause, start, however you need to do to sync it up so the uh, radio audio is with the game audio. It's a wonderful experience, John Wide Listening to John Wideman while you're watching it too. It's like over overload on stimulation uh, in your hockey mind. So th- that's what I like to do. I would recommend doing that um, for all Blackhawks fans out here listening. We appreciate you tuning in to season five, episode 12 of the four feathers podcast. This was Blackhawks moms rock and Connor Bedard is heating up. Uh, make sure you go and subscribe, like review uh, over on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, you can watch the replay over at on tap sports net on YouTube and Facebook, uh, our four feathers pod account on X uh, and uh, Instagram uh, over there as well. Uh, give us a follow. And as always, check out on hipsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. We'll be back at it this time next week discussing these three games. Until next time, let's go Hawks. Let's go Hawks, baby. Let's go Hawks.